Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into conscious leadership and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. Thrive is brought to you by Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Join thousands of agencies that are already incorporating web inclusivity into their service offerings. Visit accessibility.com today. So welcome to another episode of Thrive. On the last episode, I spoke with Trenton Moss about how to make the interactions among our teams more meaningful. So if you didn't get a chance to check out that episode, please do. There are some real nuggets of gold in there. Today, though, I am honored to speak with my friend Sean Mitchell, a conscious business consultant, speaker, and author of a new book called Transcendental Leadership, Ageless Principles and Practices for Leading in a Time of Awakening. So hopefully you can see that if you're watching this on video. Definitely head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of that. And we're going to talk all about it today. So Sean, thank you so much. It's so good to be with you today. Thanks, Kelly. I'm excited and happy. And ever since we met, you know, I just, I just love your essence. So happy to be here. Thank you. So transcendental leadership is a very new, in fact, a brand new conversation in sort of the leadership realm. We talked a little bit earlier about the fact that, I mean, that's probably because most people shy away from anything that has to do with, you know, woo-woo, spirituality, anything combining that and leadership, right? So I'm curious as to how you define this new model for leadership and also make it invitational for people to kind of get a little curious about it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Well, let me also say that I was working on a master's in consciousness studies. And when it came time for a thesis, I just kind of got this download. Something must have happened in my life right about that time where I was aware of what I thought was quite unconscious leadership. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the consciousness studies curriculum had a lot to do with all the wisdom traditions, quantum physics, philosophy, and psychology. And a lot of it was, you could say, sort of spiritually based to some degree, but it was all around the nature and in our attempt to understand consciousness. So having learned transcendental meditation when I was 20 and having been raised Catholic at Catholic schools and having a long time kind of, not kind of, but a comfort zone in being reflective mm-hmm. and having comfortable with silence and solitude and things of that nature, um, I was really wondering why, how come there's not a narrative or a conversation about the fact that maybe we could access states of transcendence, have ourselves informed, our being informed by what we might call universal wisdom or God or spirit or the one mind and so on. You know, those could be all interacting kinds of constructs that would inform our doing. So our being loving, compassionate, serving the whole could inform our doing and therefore how we behaved in our actions and who we were in the world 
leader of an organization or her own life or family and so on, just who who we were, like our soul knows our truth, um, could be informed by, I want to call it, having practices that access states of transcendence. Mm -hmm. Does that help a little bit there? Absolutely. Um, So I wanted to, well, so then the thesis was, I said, you know, how you have to go to your professors and the committee and, uh, okay, how about this? How about that? And they said, do that. And I was, and and at the time I was like, oh, yikes. (laughs) This is more than I really want to chew on. But anyway, that was really the, the nail on the head and foundation of what kind of generated the whole thing for me. And of course it, you know, really grace took over from there. Like I, yeah, this is what we want to talk about. And then it, it just really grew. Like I was able to interview these twice incredible people all over the world. Right. You saw that in the book. And, but at the same time, they're just like, the regular people, mm-hmm. you know, we could have, you know, yes, Mandala and Gandhi and, you know, we know all that, but these were like people that we could relate to are doing their best. They have practices that they use to access. I mean, like, you know, some of them are indigenous plant medicine, if you will, but all kinds, like we'll talk about a little bit more, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> That quite answers exactly. No, it's great. I love I love the organic nature of these conversations. So I'm curious about the role that you know you might call it like a way to access a state of transcendence. And I know that your background was uh, very heavily into connection to nature. So I'm wondering how important is the connection to nature when it comes to transcendence, and then obviously transcendental leadership. So I would love to hear about that. And I think that there's, from what I remember in the book, there's this whole section where you kind of describe or share the story about, um, who was it, Edgar Mitchell from from, uh, the Apollo mission. So yeah, just talk maybe a little bit about that, because I think that something a little bit more concrete about how we arrive at these states through connection to nature might help. Well, let me teeny bit digress that in the book, I have 11 categories of what I call these gateways, practices, categories of practices. And nature is one of them. Nature is a primary one for Bali. I don't want to say everybody, but most of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are others like I mentioned earlier, you know, creativity, meditation, true yoga, and so on. But in terms of nature, when I was young, I just happened to be fortunate to live where up in the Pacific Northwest and on a lake and, you know, was exposed to the water and the mountains and animals and really have always found for myself that when I can be quiet in nature, present, really, that this is going to be like, mm-hmm. uh, go for it. Yeah. Well, the essence and vibration of our natural world is so extraordinary. And as we learn more, we're learning about fungi. We're learning about, you know, breeze communicate. We're learning about uh, animal whisperers, right? I mean, that's scratching the surface. Right. 
I've been watching all those documentaries on, on Netflix over the pandemic. So yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. And we're learning more and we're learning more and we're learning more. It's so fascinating and extraordinary. And I guess I would say that, you know, I would have times when I really felt connected, like in the book I talk about uh, in, where was I in Kenya? It was, um, a night out on this island and everything turned into the oneness of nature. I thought I was going to have a vision, but then I realized that the vision was God in nature. And it does remind me a certain, in a little bit of a way, you know, Brian Swim, if you're familiar with him, he's this brilliant cosmologist that talks about, some of the oneness with the universe and the galaxy and nature, but in terms of uh, Edgar Mitchell, who, as we know, um, founded the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which I think was the first serious research institute to look into the hard science of consciousness and so forth. The story goes, and it's really beautifully shared by Claudia Wells. I think she's a CEO, and and she helped in the book, too, of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. She tells the story when he was, first of all, Edgar Mitchell, as many of you are, he was a strict MIT guy. I mean, he was a science man. There was no woo about this guy, right? And, you know, he's an astronaut. So he's... On the way up to the moon, he is doing his serious work. There's no time. He's not looking out the window. (laughs) But on the way back, he has a chance. Now, the job's kind of done. And he's sitting at the window, kind of, and he's looking out. And he sees this. It chokes me up sometimes. This, the pearl of our planet, right? And... Of course, I wasn't, I'm not in his head and I don't know, but I don't really even say if it was suddenly, I don't even know, but he began to have this epiphany of the oneness of the universe. He felt it in his body. He felt it in his soul, whatever he might have thought that was, that everything was connected. There was this oneness of the entire universe. And he came back to Earth and said, what the heck was that? And like I shared, he spoke to different people. And they said, that's a lot like what they speak about in Buddhism and Hinduism and a lot of Sanskrit scripture that about the nature of the universe. Mm-hmm. He thought, well, wow, you know, I want to know more about this. And that's when he founded the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Mm. It's so beautiful. And and through the storytelling of that in the book, you're, you almost feel like you're looking out of that window because you could Mm -hmm. imagine, I mean, we've all seen that picture, right? But like you could imagine being the, the, was he the first one to see that? I'm not sure. The first one. Well, the first one anyway, to report feeling that way. Correct. (laughs) Well, who knows? But the other boys didn't talk about it. Right, right. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> that we know of. That maybe amongst themselves. I mean, gosh, 
Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's, there's so much awe in that. And so this whole idea of looking at the, the planet from so far away from it and realizing, well, that, that is so colossal and also it's such a part of me and I'm such a part of it. And like, right. So that's where that whole oneness kind of like connection to nature came from. And so this is kind of what we're talking about. I, I think of my sort of reiteration or, or reinterpretation of transcendental leadership is almost like conscious leadership, not the conscious leadership was missing anything. So it's not necessarily an addition to conscious leadership. It's almost like a deepening thereof. Right. It's like it makes it somehow more meaningful in these states of transcendence. Well, I agree. And, and but let me just take that a little further. Yeah. Because I don't want to say conscious leadership is sort of flavor du jour, but <laughs> the key element here is really defining what we mean by conscious. I mean, we are conscious. Right. Right. So, so I feel like what we're talking about is do we have access to being more consciously aware, right? More present, more what I want to say, deep listening. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I I would like to feel is what we're talking about in terms of conscious leadership and, and conscious leadership in terms of we're concerned and aware about each other and our planet. Right. So, but the key thing here that I think that, you know, I hope is that kind of a little different, deeper element to the transcendental leadership, at least from my perspective here in the book, is that, well, how do I become, let's say, more deeply aware? Right, right. And it's not like cruising around and trying to, you know, mindfulness, that's great. That's something of an element. But I also feel that mindfulness, if we're not careful, is mindful. I don't want to say we want to be mindless because that doesn't sound right either. But can we get to a state of surrender? Mm. And so I feel that that's a little bit of where I hope um, my book can contribute with these practices, these 11 categories of practices, because they're different for different people. You know, as I shared with you earlier, one person, you know, maybe they go to church, they don't get their soul fed at church, but, you know, having lived in Santa Barbara forever, you know, they go surfing and, you know, they're in the green room and they're seeing God, right? Um, You can spend time with your, your dog, right? And the, the love, the love, so, so back to conscious leadership and why I'd like it to introduce transcendental leadership is I would really, really, really feel great about more people, whether it's meditation or whatever, being able to access these states, mm-hmm. which with a consistent practice, with a consistent practice, can inform our being we naturally become more peaceful. We naturally become more compassionate. We naturally become more empathetic. We naturally become deeper thinkers and 
uh, deep dialogue, deep listening. And those traits then translate because our being, our frequency, right, has shifted. Someone could be sitting next to you and they're like, I like, who is this person? It feels yeah. good to be with yeah. them. Yeah. Right. We can't always put our finger on it, but what is it about them that feels so feels like I can be authentic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, want, I mean, hope people can. Um, I want to say lead. You know, so their so their being can inform the doing. Yeah. Did you know that one out of five people in the U.S. is living with some form of disability? I'm proud to partner with Accessibility as they work toward the mission of making the web accessible to everyone. It's time to prioritize inclusivity. Ensure that your own website and your client sites can be accessed by all and that they're ADA compliant. Head over to accessibility.com forward slash thrive to learn more about their agency partner program. Now back to the show. Yeah. And if the, you know, if leadership is actually more about influence than anything else. And part of that influence is I really like this person. I want to follow this person. I want to support this person and their vision. And it's not just that because you're, you're talking about it in the context of likability without understanding, like, what is it about them that I like? It's energetic, right? Let's say it that way. So the more that we as leaders have these practices, these consistent practices, there's a filling up of us, right? A different way that we vibrate, a different energy that we put out that will naturally magnetize people to us, right? And not because we're going to do something with that, you know, uh, have power over them or something like that. We're going to use it in a really beautiful way. And so that's where, I don't know, I loved this book. I have to tell you that because for me, yeah, it wasn't about that there was a a conversation missing so much as this was like a way in that felt deeper to me. I keep saying that, but that's what it felt like to me. I'm like, oh, this is, this is another layer, you know, to get into the actual practice of like, you know, everyone has these questions. Where do I start? They're reading this book and it's like, well, or, or before they read it, how do I actually start to access these states of transcendence that you talk about? It sounds amazing, but how do I actually start to do it so that I can focus on being more often than I'm doing? And if you're telling me that that's going to inform my behavior as a leader, like, please give me some, some guidance. So what would you say if someone was interested in starting to access those states? Well, I want to Hopefully keep in my mind two things about this. The first one is when you were talking about energy. Science tells us that there's brain frequencies and so forth, right? We've got the gamma, delta, alpha, all those. And certain, I'm going to say certain, we certainly have research on meditation Mm -hmm. that generates wavelengths, right? And they're at a, a hertz level, right? And a C sharp is going to attract mostly C sharps. And a B flat is going to, like a tuning fork, is going to attract the B flats. And I'm just using that as a generality. So the idea that as you 
become, as you access these ways of having an energetic frequency that's, I'm going to say higher, but I don't really, I'm not going to say that it's higher or lower, but it's higher. You're like a tuning fork. You're not only do you attract those of like energetic frequency, but you also will inform and change the energetic frequency of someone near you. They can be in the grocery line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and this is all science based, right? Yeah, this is where we're getting into like quantum physics and, and all that's of that. right. Yeah. And I think that that's an important consideration. Yeah. Because it's not just woo woo. Right. Not that there's anything wrong with woo woo. I mean, well, I, you know, I'm woo woo. You know, I've been told, you know, my kids tell me I'm woo woo. So I'm like, well, <laughs> but I have to say that I'm pretty pragmatic and got a foot in the business world too. Yeah, exactly. So I want to just say about the energy and so forth. And then going over to, well, how can I get there, right? And like I said, I, I've outlined these categories and I have written down 11. Now, the key thing here, people are welcome to communicate with me because this is one of the things I coach about, like, how do you find which one is mine? Mm -hmm. Change over our lifetime. For example, when I was younger and I was I five brothers, okay? I was the only girl. I was like a pretty serious athlete. And athletics with snow skiing or water skiing or horses, you know, I, that was a portal for me. Well, you know, I've had my tumbles and bumbles since then. And, I, and that's not really one of my categories anymore, but nature and meditation are two primary ones. Mm -hmm. I feel like the key thing is for a person to, they don't know already, to experiment mm -hmm. and I said, well, I hope to do a workbook about this, but to experiment within these categories. And they're fairly detailed in the book. And then the key thing is once you find one or two, and they can't, like I said, morph over your lifetime, it, it really requires a consistent practice. Mm -hmm. Consistency really is the key. It is. And, you know, any bona fide I'm going to say meditation teacher, but any bona fide coach, I'll tell you, keep practicing, mm -hmm. right? Keep practicing. Yeah. Making it a, a discipline. I think, you know, if that's the way that you start your mornings or that's what you do before you go to bed or you carve out a little bit of time in the middle of the day, whatever it is, I mean, that's up to you, but it's yeah. the consistency of it. Yeah, we've talked about nature here quite a bit. You know, do you go on vision quests? Can you go with the group? Do you go uh, forest baths, right? Uh, do you hike quite a bit? You know, what are the ways that you get out? Well, I talked about surfing, movement, yoga. I'm not talking about the westernized, you know, fitness, looking good yoga. I'm talking about, you know, the four paths of yoga that are a serious discipline. Musicians, creativity, art. I mean, there's really quite a few. And yeah, and inspired writing is one for me too. I mean, Emerson can take me over the moon. And sometimes when you read Mary Oliver, perhaps. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, just so, so, and, and, you know, it's fun to play to like, well, 
And if you got someone to play with to kind of help, like, okay, let's go check this out or check that one out and see if, see if your heart sings, see if, Mm. you know, you're going to know because source, God, spirit, the universe, you know, so wants to speak through us, I feel. It's yearning. I mean, the state of our world is so tragic right now that we just really need to be in touch with our soul source and to let that, like I say, inform our being, which can inform our doing and leadership. Yeah. So that's actually a really good segue because I'm sure a lot of the people who are listening or watching are like, okay, this all sounds great. Um, I want more of that in my life. And also like, why do I have to do this? Right. Or, you know, is this really, are you talking about this as like a choice, a nice to have? I mean, my contention is that it's not a nice to have. This is, there is a sense of urgency to kind of move toward this path. And there is a. Can I just jump in for one second? Yeah, please. It will create flow, synchronicity, grace. You'll be so surprised to see how synchronicity, coincidences, grace, and flow will just begin to surface. And you won't be like pushing up against things as much. Less resistance, more alignment. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to read from there are about two paragraphs in here that I feel when I was reading this, I guess it's probably in the, the second half of the book. It, it was very moving to me because it was all about this kind of sense of urgency as to why we need to do this. And I thought this might be nice to read. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to do that. So this is in a section called alignment with transcendence is an imperative of our era. We are in the midst of a very serious yet necessary shifting of the consciousness of everyone on the planet. In this transitional period, we are being given the opportunity to press the refresh button. We are at a critical choice point because of the intersection of multiple simultaneous crises. The global family is experiencing all manner of breakdown and tragedy, ranging from viral outbreaks and climate change to social oppression and economic disparity and uncertainty. Those of us who are in positions of influence must take responsibility for our being and begin aligning ourselves with the deep knowing and wisdom that is accessible to each of us, intrinsically available, and which is our cosmic heritage. How can it not be? If the God spark is what created the cosmos, how can it not be within us as well? It's therefore imperative to reach towards the possibility, the silver lining of hope, that we will change our old, collective, blind, leading the blind behaviors And begin to unite for the sake of each other and future generations. The moment of choice is now. I get chills every time I read that, Sean. Yeah, that was pretty good. (laughs) If you don't say so yourself. I I mean, so much of this was just sort of like, Sean, get out of the way and just. Yeah. Surrender. Then get an editor to help, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. But really, I mean, I'm not 
bright enough to write all that myself. <laughs> Maybe I am. I think you are. And thank you. Thank you for putting this out into the world. Thank you for, you know, talking with me about it today. I will put some show notes, uh, put a, a link to that on Amazon in the show notes. But thank you so much, my friend. It was so, so good to talk to you and to just have this conversation. And wherever it went, it went. I hope that everyone got some value out of it. And hopefully there's, we've inspired a little bit of play and joy and curiosity. And yeah, just really hopeful that if you're listening or watching that you get a chance to kind of experience one of these states of transcendence, not just one, but multiple times. Thanks, Sean. That's the key thing. They're all available. They're all available. They're all available. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a final note of gratitude to the official sponsor of Thrive, Accessibi, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Learn more about the win-win proposition and keep your clients' websites inclusive and compliant. Be sure to check out their partner program for your agency today at accessibi.com forward slash thrive.